Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Cindy's Political Corner, focusing on Jews and the GOP. Tonight's show is featuring a brand new candidate to the political arena and an international name for who is recognized for their work on peace in the Middle East. Our first guest is Mazi Philippe, who is a candidate in Nassau County, Long Island, New York, in District 10. Now, the Nassau County GOP, not too long ago, was considered the most important Republican county in the country. Things have changed. And like everything else that goes in cycles, Mazi wants to lead the swing back to Republican rule. She has a very unique story she is going to share. Our second guest is the former ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. Of course, we all know David from his work with the opening of the embassy in Jerusalem in 2018 and for his work on the Abraham Accords. Just because he left the ambassadorship does not mean he is not committed to peace in the Middle East, and he is here to discuss his newest projects. Tonight's show is sponsored by the candidacy of Mazi Philippe for Nassau County Legislator, District 10. So stay tuned, but first, welcome into my corner. Jews and the GOP is something that is very close to my heart. I am a proud Jew, I am a proud Zionist, and I am a proud Republican. I was a proud Republican at NYU when I was in college. I was a proud Republican when I sat front row when President Ronald Reagan spoke at Temple Hillel in the 1980s. I was a proud Republican when I went in Cleveland to the uh, Republican National Convention. I was a proud Republican and Jew when I went to the White House Hanukkah party and when I was invited to the signing of an executive order by President Trump combating anti-Semitism. I know what it's like to be a Jew and be the subject of prejudice, and I know what it's like to be a Republican in New York and the target of prejudice. And we're going to talk a little bit about that with our candidates. Why are we discussing this? Because a lot of you feel that 2021 is not an important election to go out and vote. People, 2021 is the most important election for you to get out and vote, especially if you are Jewish. Because we are seeing the largest rise in anti-Semitism across the country, the largest amount of hate crimes predominantly in religious Jewish neighborhoods that we haven't seen in years. If we don't stand up now, we might not be able to gain control of security again. I am telling you, 
early voting starts in a couple of weeks. Make sure you go out, you vote, you help people who cannot get to the voting places out to vote. You make sure that friends that are registered vote either in person or early mailing or in-person mailing early. But you must get out and vote. Everybody is watching the Jewish vote in 2021 because they are wondering how it's going to go in 2022. We have a huge show tonight, and we're going to get started very soon. So please sit back, and I can't wait to introduce you to Mazi Philippe. Welcome back to this very special episode of Cindy's Political Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And as I said, tonight is talking about faces of the GOP, a new face and an old face. But faces that we as local, state and national Republicans must get to know. I was very fortunate during the 2016 and 2020 campaigns to be a Jewish advisor on the National Diversity Coalition. And I was very fortunate enough to work with many minority communities, especially the black community, on building the black Jewish relationship and work on such issues such as criminal justice reform, fighting anti-Semitism, fighting racism. And our first guest has a very unique story. She is very unique among any party. She is a black Jew. And anybody who has been following me knows that one of my goals is to rebuild the black Jewish relationship that the Democrats, the socialists, the progressives, the working class uh, teams are all trying to destroy. Anybody who knows our history knows that The civil rights movement cannot have been successful without the ties to the black Jewish communities working together. In fact, Dr. Martin Luther King was a Zionist. And he stood hand in hand with rabbis from all over the country to make sure that black people and Jews work together for freedom. So today I am introducing Mazi Philippe who is running in Nassau County's North Hempstead area for legislator. She has a very unique story, and she's going to share it tonight. And I believe, win or lose, she represents the face of the future of the GOP. Welcome to the show, Mazi. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for having me. So as I said, you represent a very unique voice. You are Black and you are Jewish. And the one question I am asked all the time is what happened to the Black-Jewish relationship? And my answer is simple. Why did you ask somebody who is Black and Jewish? Because they have to fight two battles every single day of their lives. So why don't you share with the audience who doesn't know your story why you are so proud of your Black and Jewish heritage, and how you came to be a candidate. Yes, so um, as uh, you already mentioned, um, I 
if you want to hear a little bit about me, I was um, was born in Ethiopia. Um, at the age of 12, I came to Israel during uh, Operation Salomon. It was a very famous operation that took place in the middle of civil war. Um, United States and uh, Israel brought um, and within 36 hours, 15,500 Ethiopian Jew uh, to Israel. So I was one of the passengers. So before I'm gonna talk about my experience uh, living in Israel, maybe I would love to share with you a little bit what's being um, Jewish in Ethiopia uh, and my experience with my parents and my grandparents. As you, most of you know, um, Ethiopian Jew dream always been Jerusalem, to come to Jerusalem. And my grandma always told me the story that one day we're gonna go to Israel. I remember when I was nine, we would go out every night and pray that someday a miracle will happen and we will end up in Israel. So in 1991, with age of 12, that miracle really came true. Uh, it was unbelievable. As I said, civil war, real chaos. We didn't know what's gonna happen. The prime minister of Ethiopia left the country. Soldiers were everywhere. Real, real mess. Um, for four hours, we walked to the Israeli embassy. After long, long, long hours, we found ourselves into a jumbo military jet. Um, tired, no water, no, no food. But we were so happy that we were on the way to the Holy Land. And when we came to Israel, I remember all the children, we were singing, Evenu Shalom Malachem. We brought the peace with us. And as we were exited, uh, the plane, my grandma and my parents were kissing the ground and crying. And I just did, my siblings and I did the same things. We were kissing the ground and crying that finally we are home. What and a story. That is incredible. And you know what? It's a story of immigration. It's a story of American immigrants, our ancestors who came to Ellis Island. So choose have this feeling where they are welcomed. They want to be part of the land. I agree 100%. Please continue. It's so fascinating. I agree 100%. So, you know, being in Israel, um, it was something that's so, so like personal. And we loved being part of the Jewish uh, people in Israel. Uh, we learned quickly Hebrew. Um, I went to the boarding school. And as soon as I finished boarding school, I felt I want to serve the Israeli army um, to join the, the army and to give back something that, uh, to the country that saved my life and many, many other people's life. Um, I was so like waiting for the day I'm going to have that uh, green uniform. And, uh, and when I come back from three weeks of training, my parents were so happy to see that little girl um, who escaped civil war now in uniform, serving the country and giving back to the people. So that was an amazing uh, experience. And how long did you live in Israel? Until from the age of 12, until I finished college, about 15 years. And your journey now, how to get to the United States. Yeah. So after the army, I realized um, in order to have a better life, you have to get education. Um, and my father always told us, if you want to become somebody, somebody strong, you have to work hard. And as soon as I finished the army, I went to Haifa University 
to do my, fr my first degree. And while I was studying, I met my Ukrainian Jew husband, who is my husband right now, studying medical school there. And, uh, you know, we had a great relationship. He wanted um, me to move to U.S., which was very hard, even though they want to be with him. But living in Israel, living in Israel, something my parents weren't happy because he just wanted me to stay there next to them. But they, when I introduced him to, to my parents, um, like my husband now, they were so happy and uh, they just wanted me, you know, to be happy. So I finished my master's degree in diplomacy and security at Tel Aviv University, and we moved to US. So education, through education, I got to know my husband and uh, I'm a strong believer in order to grow, in order to be somebody, you know, important to achieve your dream, you have to get the education. And here I must stop and tell you that Israel did a great job with, Afri with, uh, with Ethiopian Jew um, by giving us free education. I know coming from third, third world country without um, any knowledge of even writing and reading like simple things uh, to a very successful modern country wasn't easy. And Israel very quick realized we have to close the gap by giving those kids the opportunity of higher education. So I did my first degree and my master degree. Uh, I got full scholarship from the Israeli government and uh, it, fe it felt good. It felt I'm, I'm equal. So now we're gonna take a little jump into your life in New York, in the North Shore of Long Island and bring it up to around 19, I'm sorry, 2019, 2020. And you are now a mother and a proud Jew and a proud community activist. And something happened with you and your family that made you decide you cannot be silent in your new homeland. Please bring us up to date to this and tell us the story of what happened to you that made you decide that you had to run. Yeah. So I moved here about 17 years ago with my husband um, to a beautiful country. Um, it wasn't easy again to be immigrated twice, but I have a very strong personality. Um, I don't cry. Even if I cry, I know I have to work hard for anything I want to achieve. Um, as I said, we get married, we live in Great Nick, we have five kids, and I am pregnant. Six, this is my sixth one. With God's help, I'm expecting um, you know, to give birth any, any days now. Uh, so being a mother you know, for five kids and being involved um, in the community and seeing what's going on around the world, around Long Island, around Great Nick, um, made me feel um, a little bit um, unsecure, basically. I felt, you know, lately, the anti-Semitism rising up. And, um, you know, I always felt United States is a, the safest country in the world. But something in 2020, 20, those feelings start to change. Um, and, um, I felt, you know, I'm kind of person, if something doesn't look good, something something feels bad, 
I don't like to complain from the outside. I like to be involved. Um, one story that my son um, came from school that, telling me that one of the kids said something that I was shocked. He said Hitler should be finishing all the Jewish people um, and nobody should be here today. Something like this, you know, he came home. My parents, my, my husband's family, um, they are Holocaust survivor. And he knows that, my son knows that. He came sad, you know, how he can say, how this child can say, I, I wish Hitler was finishing you all. Um, he came sad and shared this story with me. And I felt this is bad. My son shouldn't feel this way in the United States. Uh, when my son asked me to have, to, to when he asked me to buy him uh, a Magandavid necklace for his bar mitzvah about like seven months ago, I was like a little bit concerned. Now you're going to go to Magandavid. You know, if somebody will attack you, all those thoughts was running in my mind. And I said, the fact I'm thinking twice about this, if my son should go with Magandavid necklace or not, start of David, is not good because I shouldn't be afraid. I should be very proud my son wanna go, you know, he wanna go with Star of David necklace. Why I have to be afraid? Uh, so, and I said, you know, I wanna, I wanna raise my kids in safe place. I wanna fix things. If something's wrong, I have to fix it. I'm a mother and I believe all of us, all the parents, we are the voice of our kids. We are the leaders. By sitting on the side, not doing nothing, is worse. So I said, you know what? Time to be involved, time, you know, to show leadership, time to bring safety to the community. So I know my listeners are gonna ask a couple of questions about this. Number one, it's a predominantly Jewish neighborhood. Did this happen with other Jewish students as well? And did you go to the school board and the school administration? And what was the response, if any? So- from what I understood, it was outside in the soccer field or basketball field. He said that to a bunch of kids. I don't know what happened before that, but he said that. Uh, the school wrote a letter saying, you know, what happened. Um, but when the local leaders approached the school, um, you know, here, here it go, you know, like somebody saying something like this to Jewish people, you don't do nothing. It was, we were talking about other kind of hate. Everybody was out. Um, I don't think the school did enough on this subject. Um, and the local leaders, the parents were unhappy about this. Listen, I am all about, you know, fighting hate, any kind of hate. It can be against black, against uh, ASEAN, it can be Jews. We have to follow the same protocol. Nobody should face hate. I believe in all lives matter. And Cindy's corner shows, whether it's the celebrity show or the political show, we believe that we encourage education and knowledge, even if we disagree, but we have to have the talk. And especially since your family is Black and Jewish, this is really something that is important. So now we're going to move along to how you became the candidate in Nassau County and tell everybody the exact uh, position you are running for and whose endorsements you have and what areas you encompass, and what's been going on on the campaign trail. And then I'm going to ask you about a couple of the issues you are running on. Yes. So as I said, I always love, I always was involved. You know, I'm, um, I'm a parents uh, coach. I am 
a vice president, vice president of one of the synagogues here. So people knows me. And when our mayor, Pedro Brawl, Dr. Brawl, um, in the village of Rednik, was running about six years ago, um, and I didn't like the way the town was managing back then, even though I didn't knew um, bedroom and I said, you know what, we have to make a change. And I remember I introduced myself to him and I worked so hard in his campaign uh, to help him to win. And um, he just loved, you know, the fact I was, you know, very active, working very hard to make a change. And he, when, when he, when he, uh, when the election, he wanted me to be one of the board member uh, of the architectural review board member. And since then we become very close friend. And when this opportunity came, he thought I would be a perfect person for this position. He came to me, he asked, what do you think? Um, at the beginning, I wasn't sure, you know, I'm busy, I have a busy life, why I need that? But as I said, when things were changing around me and also the, when the, the war between Hamas and Israel took place, and they felt so like disappointed. The world was against Israel. Nobody could understood what is this being living in Israel, what are the little kids in Israel feeling, dealing everyday life under rockets. So, so all these things really made me feel um, strongly to run. And um, you know, I I am a strong believer. In order to make a change, you have to be involved. So. Mazi, your story is amazing. And even though you're talking about Great Neck, uh, your area is larger than that. So please tell everybody the exact district you're running in, the areas that you're running in, and if you can tell us anybody who has endorsed you. Yes. So as you know, I'm running for, uh, as Nassau County Legislator for District 10, which including um, all Great Neck um, and some part of New High Park and some part of Manhasset. Uh, as I said, all lo local leaders are supporting me. Um, they're really behind me. And- um, I believe and, you're endorsed by both parties, the conservative and the Republican parties of Nassau County? Absolutely, yes. Definitely. And I believe Congressman Lee Zeldin has endorsed you as well. Absolutely, and Peter King as well. Oh, great. So, as well. congratulations. And they have been campaigning with me. So. That is amazing because to get a former and a current uh, congressman on a legislative uh, candidacy is amazing. This is really good. Definitely. So now we got to talk about the issues. And as somebody who has run for office, as somebody who helps a lot of candidates, I will tell you, I know the first two things on everybody's list on how they vote for a candidate is the economy and security. So tell us your platform briefly on the economy. Yes. Um, so when we talk about the economy, really, as we're talking about the, our main issues, the downtown areas, unfortunately, a lot of businesses closing doors. Um, they cannot afford, you know, continue their stores local stores and uh, the community very very unhappy seeing that you know places we love the kids love going no more available no more open so this is a big issue and especially in great we really feel it um so we have to investigate what the issue and the county has to be involved and we have to help those local businesses um 
to open up and keep up the business. And security. Security has been a, a huge issue. Crime has been a big issue. So I'm going to tie this question into uh, something that I know that you are very proud of, and that is your stand of uh, standing with law enforcement. So tell us a little bit about your candidacy and your relationship with law enforcement. Yes, um, I'm supporting um, our police um, they are our friends, they are our protectors. And um, unfortunately, even my opponent was uh, voting against the protection of the police about three weeks ago, which I think is wrong. Um, we need them, you know. Our, I know in this community, uh, people are very concerned about crime. And, you know, so we have to support the police. You know, I'm not saying um, everything's perfect within the police, but if there is anything has to be changed, we should reevaluate everything and make adjustment. But to say we don't need or we'll take out budget, I think that's wrong. And especially, uh, as I said, as a mother of five kids, I want the safest community for my children. And I know also what is being without uh, a police uh, living in Ethiopia at the age of 12. You don't have nobody to protect you. Anything can happen to you. Um, that is... That is scary, basically. So we were talking before the interview. And uh, like I said, I had and have been working very closely as a uh, advisor with the National Diversity Coalition. And you have a large Asian uh, contingency in your district. And one thing that is going on right now that we have a common goal with is As much as there's anti-Semitic hate, there is a rise in Asian hate and there's a lot of discrimination in schools. And you brought up a little bit about your own personal experience. Tell us how you plan to build on the Jewish-Asian relationships that are within your district where you will have control. Yes. So as I said at the beginning, I'm about, you know, fighting any kind of hate. Uh, When we had the rally about a few months ago, uh, for Asian, I was one of the people who was standing and fighting for that kind of hate. Um, I think we are one big, beautiful community, and we have to be one for each other and be there for each other and help each other. So, as I said, um, we have to stand for our rights and fight for any form of hate. I have a question for you about the no bail reform laws, because there is a district attorney's race going on right now. And it is one of the issues that locally everybody is talking about, because we fear what we see going on in the five boroughs. What have you done or what will you do in regard to the no bail reform laws? So no bail reform uh, laws, it doesn't make sense. You know, if somebody, um, if somebody was doing any type of crime, you know, they have to come to justice. You can't let them go. And what happened here, with, I don't know, like a year ago when we had this kind of crimes, a bunch of um, people from Chile, I think, came here and they were going to Kings Point houses and Sadrak going inside people's house, taking things and, you know, making everybody with so much fear. Um, unfortunately, those people, you know, they let them go and they escaped to their country. 
people are very concerned about this. This is wrong. We, you know, we have to feel we are safe in our community. Um, I think that was wrong form and we have to fight for that. What do you think are your top three priorities for your district and Nassau County as a whole? Because you are going to be working a lot with the Nassau County leadership. You are going to be working a lot with people even in Hempstead and on the border of Suffolk. So what do you see as the present and future for Nassau County? Say it again. I'm sorry. I, I... I said, what do you see as the future and present for Nassau County? Um, I think the county need to, um, you know, to, to work on taxes. Um, taxes, you know, it's going up every, every year and people cannot afford living anymore in this uh, Nassau County. And I want my kids one day to live next to me. But the way things are going, I'm afraid and people are afraid about this. So that's something the county has to work on it, you know. Um, the reassessment that impacted more than 65% of the Nassau County uh, uh, resident. Uh, somebody has to watch it closely and see what can be fixed. I know there were a lot of mistakes uh, by, by doing uh, what they did, the last reassessment. Um, if we go back to the police, uh, we have to support our police. The Nassau County has to support the police. Um, so that is the future the way I see it. Nassau County was once the most important county in the country for Republican politics. It has changed and uh, not necessarily for the better. But I think you are talking about rebuilding it as one of the new leaders. What do you say to people that say that uh, the Republican Party in Nassau County really had its heyday and uh, will, you know, disappointed a little bit in seeing what's going on. How do you convince them to come back? I think we had an amazing people running um, this time as Republicans. We have a, Annie running uh, for um, district uh, attorney. Uh, she will fight for us. I support her. We have uh, Bruce Blakeman who's running for um, Nassau County Executive and Elaine and they're all great leaders. And Chairman Cairo really chose um, carefully each one of us. He believed on us. And we are here to be the voice of Nassau, Nassau County residents. And we're gonna bring Nassau County to the most we can and to make sure everybody's happy and everybody living safely in this town, in this county. The wave around the country is for a red wave. People don't want any more crime. They don't want restrictions on them. They want back their democracy and the American dream. And you as an immigrant understand that more than anyone else. We think and we are predicting and based on what we're hearing, you are going to win. Let's just say you don't win. What's your next step in politics? Possible, I'm going to win. <laughs> of course I'm... you are, but... I, I just look at you as such a national face and voice that I just see a, a bigger career for you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, uh, I'm going to continue being involved and, uh, and fight for what's right, basically. I'm not going to stop here. Uh, I'm going to give my entire energy to make sure I'm going to bring something unique to the table. 
Um, so, and uh, I believe in with hard work, I'm gonna win. We have a great team, as I said. I want to be a good voice to all of all of all of all of Americans. America is a beautiful country, a democratic country. You know, a dream that everybody want to be here, and I'm happy to be here, and to run for the first time uh, for Nassau County Legislator. District 10. One last question. I'm going to come full circle back to my introduction and why I am so impressed with you, why Jewish Vote GOP will be endorsing you and why I will be coming out in October in the critical days to help you out to make sure this wins. Um, You are black and you are Jewish and the Democratic Party has done everything they can to ensure that the black Jewish relationship is fractured and destroyed. What do you say to that? This, this is sad. You know, you start at the beginning saying how the relationship was so wonderful between African-American and Jewish people. Those two, two communities was um, fighting for human rights together. That story is something that's so powerful and uh, so unique. And we cannot, we cannot let nobody to break that relationship. You know, so I, I thank God a few years ago, I was working with a Jewish organization who was, I was traveling around the US and meeting African-American leaders and community leaders, colleges. And I was talking about that relationship, you know, how important to build that connection. So I'm asking the African-American, my brothers and sisters to be, you know, don't just follow wrong statement. Don't let nobody to break the love, the relationship we had. And we should build this for our future, our next generation, and for our children. Where can our audience reach out to you to donate, to volunteer, and to support your candidacy? I would, I would recommend them to go um, in my Instagram, um, Mazi Pelop for uh, legislator. Um, and they can follow me on the Instagram. They can support me. They can donate. Um, anything they can do, you know, they can find uh, through my Instagram account. And I'm excited for this uh, election. And I believe with the support and the love I'm getting, I'm going to win. I believe you're going to win, too, because I'm getting calls every single day. Cindy, you got to see what's going on. Our campaign is so vitalized. Um, And it's because of that smile and your energy. I mean, nine months pregnant and you're out there campaigning every day. Mazi, thank you so much for joining Cindy's Political Corner. As I said, Jewish Vote GOP will be uh, endorsing you. And thank you again. It has been a wonderful time speaking with you and uh, the best of luck in the campaign. And I know you're going to win. Thank you so much, Cindy. It was so nice talking to you. I, I really appreciate your support and uh, I'm you know, looking forward. Thank you again. Wow, wasn't that a great interview? And didn't I bring you an incredible candidate? She has a very bright future in the Republican Party. Which brings me to another project that brings a lot of hope to the future of the Republican Party. 
Many of you know I ran for Congress in 2020. I was not endorsed by the Nassau GOP, but I had a strong grassroots campaign. I learned a big lesson. I learned that Democrats know how to do grassroots much better than Republicans. I said I cannot remain silent. I had to do something about it. And shortly before the 2020 elections, I started Jewish Vote GOP. We are here to educate, volunteer, help donate directly to candidates, and of course, get out the vote. We are here to talk about the issues. We are here to talk honestly about our candidates on local, state, and federal levels. I don't want to make the mistake with this group that the Democrats are having. They never thought that an unknown girl in her 20s could win a primary against Democratic leadership. But it happened in 2018 And now everybody is afraid of AOC. There are no more moderate Democrats. I don't want that happening to the Republican Party. And I want to be there to help candidates. I want to be there to help voters. So that is why we started Jewish Vote GOP. We don't ask for crazy money to come to fancy dinners. We don't ask for membership fees. All we want to do is bring people together who have a desire to see GOP candidates who feel the same way we do win, go to their respective chambers where they will vote, speak up, and make the changes needed to rebuild New York Again, and it doesn't matter if it's upstate, downstate, Long Island, or the five boroughs. We are one New York. And it's up to us, New York, and nobody else. We have monthly Zoom meetings where we introduce you to many candidates. In fact, many candidates that may not get the international recognition because they're not on Fox News or Newsmax all the time. But they are hardworking, devoted candidates who want to make change. They liked the policies of the Trump administration because before all the COVID uh, pandemic, fake news attacks on Republicans, the Trump policies worked. We were secure with our borders. We were independent regarding oil and other national resources. We were well-respected around the world. And our president had no problem talking to the press impromptu. If you were one of those people who thought tweets were more important than policies, You're probably one of the people that are now calling me and saying, how can we take back the vote? 
Jewish Vote GOP has already been working with about 15 to 20 congressional candidates from across the country. Some we've already introduced, some we are going to start introducing again as we get into the fall. And we have already endorsed several candidates who are running on local level elections in 2021, including Joanne Ariola, Vanessa Simon, and Felicia Kalan for Queens City Council seats. And we did endorse Mazi Philippe in Nassau County for Legislative 10, North Hempstead. If you want to get involved, all you have to do is send an email to jewishvotecounts at gmail.com or reach out to me, Cindy Gross, and I will make sure that you are included. It is a great way to feel like you are not alone. It is a great way to learn about issues and facts and share them with like-minded friends and try to help those that are confused, frustrated, and angry. We do things respectfully, and we do things with the facts. And maybe, just maybe, we can have great policies and the news medias would take some notice of us. It's happening already. It's happening with some of our candidates, and there's going to be a lot more to follow. So stay tuned. Coming up next, Ambassador David Friedman. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Joining us now is a very distinguished individual, the former ambassador, David Friedman. He's here to discuss his brand new project, the Friedman Center, and life after being the ambassador and having such an historic time in Israel and around the world. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Cindy. So good to be with you. Thank you. Well, I always laugh, you know, President Trump is very competitive, but there was one thing that he cannot compete on. I know you a lot longer than he does. <laughs> you know me many, many, many. And I know him a long time. I know him about uh, 20 plus years and you easily double that. Easily. Mm-hmm. So it was really a, an honor for me uh, to be a part of so many of the historic events that you really helped create the Embassy Jerusalem, the Abraham Accord. And now you have the Friedman Center. And tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, the full name is the Friedman Center for Peace Through Strength. And uh, it's really a way for me to continue you know, the work that we did while in office. Uh, a lot of the work that we did can continue in the private sector to really expand, to scale the Abraham Accords, to try to... Um, uh, you know, make the relationships between Israel and its neighbors more peaceful and more more prosperous, and to bring more countries into the fold. So, you know, there's there's a lot that can be done. I'm working in conjunction with others uh, who have uh, done similar uh, similar enterprises. We're focusing primarily on Jerusalem because that's where we're going to be based, and um, we're we're really trying to uh, actualize. Uh, a very special vision by Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah is considered a, a prophet in all three major uh, monotheistic faiths, and we're trying to actualize a vision that he had uh, that the nations of the world will will all come to Jerusalem because 
Uh, you've heard this, I'm sure, in in, in synagogue and in, in my father's uh, temple, Kimitzion Teitzei Torah Dvar Hashem Yerushalayim, because out of uh, Zion goes forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is really the wellspring of the uh, values that uh, that so many of us hold dear. So Isaiah uh, foresees that the nations of the world will come to Jerusalem. Why? Because it's the wellspring of their values upon which God will resolve their differences. And then you have the very famous saying of Isaiah. It actually is engraved on the wall across from the United Nations that uh, nations shall not lift up sword against nation, nor will they study war anymore. And so, you know, that, that's always been very moving. Just two sentences in uh, chapter two of Isaiah, very moving to me. And so uh, I think we have an opportunity through the Friedman Center to really uh, make, uh, help make, I, uh, I shouldn't uh, suggest that others aren't uh, important to this effort as well, but to really help make uh, Jerusalem uh, really what, what its name means, a city of peace, to bring more nations there, bring people there to see how open a city it is to see how the rights of all worshipers are are deeply honored and respected and so um that that's really the goal of the of the of the Friedman Center for Peace Through Strength and we just got started we're having our inaugural event on October 11th uh at the Museum of Tolerance Jerusalem where I'm going to award our uh, inaugural Peace Through Strength award to one of my uh, dearest friends and someone who I admire greatly uh former secretary of state Mike Pompeo uh, well, you know, as you were talking, you were talking about the two lines. I remember your father so vividly repeating them over and over again in sure. Temple Hillel growing up. And, you know, when I think of you, since I know you all these years, I think so much how proud your father would have been because he really had so many of these dreams as part of his goals. And he really expanded so much for Jews in New York, around the world. Um, of course, you guys hosted Ronald Reagan in your house. I remember your mother preparing the meal. And it's just incredible how your father's visions in Temple Hillel have gone international past. I have to ask you, I, being it is a, a different administration right now with a different uh, uh, image of what's going on than what you had, how is it going to affect your work? Are you working with the Biden administration at all? Well, no, we're we're, we're not now. It's uh, I certainly would uh, would would love the opportunity. It's not it's not on our end. I I think they have a different view. And um, look, uh, you know, they have to find their way. We have a new government in Israel and a new government in America, so they're they're trying to find their way. And I'm certainly not looking to interfere with uh, our two nations finding uh, common ground. You know, I do uh, I do worry about one thing. Uh, it's not so much about the Israel-U.S. relationship. I think that will find its equilibrium and, and hopefully will continue to resemble what, what we did. I certainly hope so. The real question is uh, America's ability to project its values and its strength, uh, you know, abroad, around the world. Because, you know, people tend to focus on Israel and the U.S. in terms of the bilateral relations. But I think one of the biggest risks to Israel is that America writ large becomes a much weaker country. America retreats into itself. America is no longer perceived as having uh, moral authority, as having military authority, as, as being willing to stand uh, on principle, being willing to stand for its, for its citizens, being willing to stand for its allies. As those types of um, 
impressions of America start to recede as America starts to weaken, that's really a great risk for Israel because America is Israel's, not just its strongest ally. I mean, if you count the Israel's number, you know, top 10 allies, you know, the first 10 are America. It's not like there's anybody in second place. And so American strength and American uh, moral clarity are extraordinarily important to Israel without regard to the, the specifics of the relationship. And I, I do worry about that. Well, I have to tell you, I hear it all the time from Israelis that they said American Jews have to be more worried than we are. We'll be fine because we know our enemies. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. But you guys have been so uh, taken for granted and you love your freedoms that you don't know who your enemies are right now. And I hear that from a lot of my Israeli friends, because let's be honest, between the technology and the medical advances, uh, and the financial opportunities, people want to work with Israel. Yeah, Israel's doing great. It's doing great. Um, uh, we could do better. We could, you know, I think that um, uh, we have a problem in this country with filling jobs. I mean, you saw the jobs report today. They were expecting 750,000 new jobs. They got, you know, one third of that. Um, you know, we've... Um, we've gotten people very accustomed to free money and we're looking to, you know, expand our, uh, you know, our national debt, you know, by $5 trillion or whatever the they're talking about. And um, we're imposing a huge burden on, on, on kids, on, on young adults, and we're making it um, easy not to work. I mean, that's, I never thought I'd ever see that moment that we have jobs and jobs and jobs that are open and available and we can't fill them because people have gotten used to getting free money. It's very dangerous. And um, so look, I worry about America. I'm committed to helping to make America better in my own little way, you know, however I can. Um, America, you know, needs to be strong so that Israel can be strong. So of course we want to know, are you in touch with the former president? Yeah, I am sometimes. Um, not as much as I'd like, you know, he's busy, I'm busy. I think the last time I had a really long conversation with him was probably in, I think it was in May when I was in Mar-a-Lago filming him, you know, we're, we're doing a uh, five part documentary on the Abraham Accords, which I'm partnering with uh, TBN networks. And we went all over the world over the last few months, putting this documentary together. And uh, I got a chance to really sit with the president and speak with him at some length about the Abraham Accords and what he thought about it. It was a great conversation really kind of a great retrospective by a couple of guys who've known each other a long time, very proud of uh, what they had accomplished. And uh, we're going to take sort of a director's cut of this, but, you know, it's, it's probably five hours worth of, of uh, content, but we're going to take about 35 minutes of it. We're going to do a world premiere at our event in Jerusalem on uh, October 11th. And you have a new book coming out. I do. The book is called Sledgehammer, how breaking with the past brought peace to the Middle East. And it's coming out not, to, not until February. February 8th is the release date. I'll be back in the States probably doing some, uh, some you know, book tours uh, in the winter. Uh, you can pre-order it on uh, Amazon, but it's, uh, you'll get the best price you know, when, it, when it releases. But it, it, regrettably, it will not release until February 8th, even though it's all done. Well, then you'll come back then and we'll talk about the book. All right. Love to. Uh, let me ask you, do you think that uh, the president should run again in 2024? You know, 
the the decision to run for president, I don't know if people understand, I, I never really appreciated it until I watched it real time with, with somebody who I knew well. The decision to run for president is, is especially somebody who has a good chance of winning, is a... Um, is an incredibly complicated decision. And, you know, the, the act, the act of running for president, it, it takes, it must take years off your life. I mean, it is such a, a massive commitment. Um, now, you know, Trump is really strong. I mean, he, he can handle it. I mean, he's got very broad shoulders and he can handle this thing better than, frankly, better than anybody. I've never seen anybody take incoming like him and get up the next day and go back to work. But, you know, um, you know, I think that's really his call to make. I don't want to jump in ahead of him. But, you know, if he if he were to run, I would uh, certainly support him. I think he I think he did great things. You know, I'm, I, I, I wish I wish uh, we could focus more on, on on his legacy, on his real legacy. You know, tax reform, uh, border control, uh, you know, strong military peace in the Middle East. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, first step act for you know, criminal justice reform. Did a lot of good things. Um, I wish, but, you know, unfortunately in the media, all, all the people want to talk about is, is what happened on January 6th, which believe me, uh, I understand why people would want to talk about it because it's not flattering to the president or, or anyone else. And, and it was a horrible day, but it was one day, you know, and it should not, um, it should not outweigh uh, what he did during his uh, four year term. And, and I, I still believe just from the grassroots that people still believe that he is the leader of the Republican Party. Oh, that's without question. I don't think there's any question that he's the leader of the Republican Party. And people um, with all his, uh, with all, you know, the, you know, there are people that, you know, say we wish he wouldn't tweet, we wish he wouldn't be so controversial. But think of what he does. Every day of his presidency, he'd get up and he'd stand in front of reporters a half an hour, an hour. You remember when he was walking off to his mm-hmm. helicopter. He would just stand there and take whatever he had to take and he would answer questions and he did it every single day. So with Trump, you know, look, there was a lot of transparency. You knew what you were getting. Some people didn't like it. Some people did like it, but it was authentic. I mean, you knew exactly what you were getting. And when it came to national security or a strong economy, you knew that you had somebody who was going to make America a strong economy and protect Americans at home and abroad. So you know, he he certainly lived by those principles. Uh, he didn't veer from those principles. And in contrast to others who uh, who may have preceded him or come after him, um, there was no hiding the ball. I mean, you know exactly what you were getting. I remember the night before the election and you spoke at our, our neighbor's house and uh, we were talking and you said that, you know, you were talking about the human he is and what he's done for you personally. I mean, the night he came in a snowstorm for Shiva and mm-hmm. that he wasn't in this to lose. So I don't yeah. think he would go into it unless he thought he could really win. I think any, so, any last thoughts you'd like to share with us? Because we're just finishing up our Jewish holidays. The world is now in a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of anti-Semitism. What would you say to encourage Jews around the world about better? What's going on? Um, look, the uh, we're the only people uh, alive today uh, praying in the same language, uh, the same words, uh, at the same places that we did thousands of years ago. Uh, God has 
protected the Jewish people. I mean, we've had uh, we've had some horrible, horrible experiences over the years, but we're still here, and we're the only ancient people that's still here. And um, you know, uh, hopefully, people have uh, reflected upon that during the high holidays. Um, but I think you know, it's not it's not just on the high holidays. We need to reflect upon that more. We've survived. We will continue to survive. God will be with us. But we got to find God as well. We have to reach out to God and and and, and establish that relationship because I think it will give us the faith and the courage and the and the principled uh, activities that I think will will help make uh, both Israel and America, you know, stronger, safer, more secure, and more prosperous. David Friedman, thank you so much for joining us. It's the Friedman Center. I get, now we can find it on Instagram. Where else can we find it? I think it's I think it's. Uh, on Twitter, it's Friedman underscore, it's at Friedman underscore center. Um, I got my kids doing my social media, so you'd have to ask them. I'm not beyond that. I don't really do much social media except for Twitter, but um, uh, I have no doubt uh, you'll be able to find it. And the book is Sledgehammer. Pre-order it now on Amazon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Cindy. Great to be with you again. Thanks.